Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to Go. You are listening to Satellite Sisters. I'm Leanne Dolan here in Pasadena, California. It's Tuesday, May 31st, and I'm with my sister, Julie Dolan, who is in Dallas, Texas. Hi, Jewel. Hey, Leanne. How are you? Great. Fantastic. I'm, I'm great. Made it through the graduation. I'm going to tell you all about it. Okay. Well, Leanne, this is an exciting day because this is the first show of summer. Summer is open for business, Leanne, and we're going to celebrate it all summer long at Satellite Sisters. Okay. That's a big talk. (laughs) I have no idea how. But I was going to say, do you have some plans I don't know about? All right. Nope. Okay. We we are the Satellite Sisters. It's the Tuesday show and it's summer. So we but we actually have some interesting topics today, mm-hmm. Julie. They're not just shallow. They're they're slightly deeper and I think they're relatable to many of our listeners. Mm-hmm. All right, I am gonna tell you about uh the high school graduation. Also, you have a block you're calling Real Life Fights Back, right? Yes. Real life is taking on uh social media. Okay. And I think real life might win. Excellent. I have a couple stories in the news about one of our favorite topics that is millennials and that's the relationship that millennials have to their actual parents. So we're going to be talking about that. Um, Julie, you want to tell us whether or not mommy brain is actually real. Right. Do you think, do you think it's real? Oh, don't tell me. I am going to tell you, I'm going to tell you a neuroscientist has done research on the mommy brain and I think you're going to be surprised. All right. Uh, well, I uh, yeah, I may be surprised. It's a phrase I w- have refused to use my entire career. So uh, I'm <laughs> okay because okay. I hate it that much. Uh, okay, I'm glad we're going to be talking about it then. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, okay. And speaking of that, you also have a study about assortive women. So super. right. I mean, you know, Liz, we have all been trying to stay noisy here at Satellite Sisters and some new research from Stanford University professors has some perplexing uh, conclusions that I don't agree with. I'm just saying that right out. Also, I have an interesting way to organize your vacation. I saw this, Julie, and I immediately thought of you. I don't. Good. And I'm going to tell you why. So some travel tips, uh, courtesy of USA Today. And finally, you have the perfect gift for Father's Day. So we're going to talk about that at the end of the show. But uh, many thanks to all of the Satellite Sisterhood who offered their words of encouragement and support and congratulations on my youngest son, Colin's high school graduation. He did it. We all did it. He made it through. And it was a really, really lovely weekend. Oh, that's good, Leanne. Satisfying for all. I mean, he enjoyed it as much as as you did? I think so. You know, he was a little nervous. It's nerve wracking. And as we, he ended up driving me home from the graduation as we had a, as you can imagine, a complicated travel plan with as many cars involved as possible. And, um, and as we drove away, he goes, boy, I'm never going to see a lot of those people ever again. (laughs) 
on that. It is kind of a weird thought, you know? I mean, he really enjoyed his high school experience, but there is a truth to that statement. When you're in a class of, you know, 180 kids, some of them you're never going to see again. So, uh, but the, but the whole, but the whole graduation was lovely. Friday night, there was a baccalaureate mass. The graduation was Saturday. His godparents from Connecticut came, our sister-in-law, Mary, my brother, Jim, uh, so, you know, they raise, they raise the bar at any event. They're excellent Yes, they are. Guests. They're like visiting dignitaries. Yes. Let's just face it. There are, there are, this is Jim is our oldest brother yes. and Mary. And, uh, they're, you know, they just, when, yeah, they do raise the bar. They bring very good gifts. They're always dressed appropriately. Yes. Right. Yes. They stay just the appropriate amount of time. They don't overstay their welcome. Don't, you know, they don't come, they're always on time and they're always enthusiastic about everything. So they're ideal guests for many occasions. And if you'd like to rent our brother and sister-in-law, maybe we could, uh, we can make some arrangements. They do require new guest towels. They do make you look at your guest towels twice and go... These are not good enough for Mary and Jim. I gotta, I gotta raise the bar on these guest towels. So there were some panicked last minute purchases and, um, planting. I understand you re landscaped your backyard for our, our older brother and, 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 landscaping. and sister-in-law. Good, good. So, uh, but, and then we had the grilled antipasto first. The ravioli was a hit. I would like to thank the people who suggested I bake the ravioli rather than stand over a hot pot. The parboil was an excellent solution to that. Parboiled, then baked, so it wasn't too goopy. Uh, The kids enjoyed the ravioli. Everybody enjoyed the antipasto. Julie, I made my own ricotta cheese. So that's... If you have not joined the Satellite Sisters Facebook group, please do, because Leanne has posted great pictures. I mean, they look like... It looks like Bon Appetit, uh, Leanne. They were well-done photographs of absolutely beautiful food. And I read the caption that you made your own ricotta cheese. And I was like, how did she do that? How did you do that? I went to a cheese making class a couple weeks ago, taught by my friend Marianne, who's Italian. And I didn't even know you, a normal person could make cheese, right? That seems well beyond my, anybody's capabilities. Like, uh-huh. And um, no, you just throw a whole bunch of dairy products into a big pot and then you let it boil for 15 minutes and then you skim the top off and you actually have to use that um, cheesecloth. <laughs> So oh, yeah, the that most surprising thing, thing. cheesecloth, which is yeah. a sort of a piece of equipment, kitchen equipment that that is. I mean, that's an advanced cooking uh, piece of equipment. Well, the I, most shocking thing was that I had cheesecloth in my staples. Even I'm sure I bought it thinking it was parchment paper, like 20 years ago, <laughs> and it was cheesecloth. There know. was a period of time where uh, cooking a Thanksgiving turkey, yes. there, were, there was a whole cheesecloth movement that that was supposed to produce the perfect Thanksgiving tur- uh, turkey. So oh, perhaps, right. for, per, perhaps you, uh, um, our mother mom uh, bought uh, our mother mom mom <laughs> bought you some cheesecloth. I think I think you're absolutely right because I was like, where did I get this cheesecloth? Yeah. Uh, no, you just throw milk. Uh, I'm not going to go through it. And I like I like your technique. Throw is the verb you're using. <laughs> you just toss it all in a big pot. It's like milk, buttermilk, Greek yogurt, and heavy cream. And that's that was it. It couldn't have been simpler. 
and it was delicious. And then we just ate it all weekend long. So it was fantastic. But the graduate was super happy. It's a lovely mass. It sort of celebrates the family and brotherhood, which is a value of the school and mothers. They do a great job celebrating the mothers. And, and then the graduation day, he was de- definitely nervous, you know, but afterwards relaxed and happy. We had a lovely dinner at a, at a local restaurant that some friends of mine own. And so it was really, really a nice weekend and relaxed and everyone stayed safe and the weather was perfect, not too hot, not too cold. We deployed seat savers. I got there early. Brooks and his girlfriend got there early to save seats in two different spots. So it all, all the logistics all worked out beautifully. Could not have been nicer. And now it's just like it's buoyant, like we're buoyant that it's done. It's over. He's through. He's off to school. And you know, my husband, no, like what's that Rolling Stone gather snow moss? Yes. Right. <laughs> He's a Rolling Stone. So, yes, he is. Yes, he just keeps moving at all times. So, yes. You know, by Sunday, all of the high school books were cleared out of his room. And uh, I had already gone in and cleared out for for his entire academic career. He's worn khaki shorts and collared shirts. That uh-huh. those have been the, the uniform. I took, he said, I am never going to wear another pair of khaki shorts or a collared shirt, a polo shirt again. So all of that came came out of his room. Good, good. That's it. He's on to the next step. He's ready. He's on to t-shirts and plaid shirts. Oh, if not, most seniors are ready to go, right? Yes. They're ready. It's it's time for them to move on. 100% ready. So it was a really lovely weekend. It's kind of shocking and amazing that after it happens, it was fantastic. And it was just really, really really a fun experience. It was great to have uh, family and friends to share it with. So, okay. But Jill, no Rolling Stone, gathering no moss. Why? What's going on now at your headquarters, at your operation over there? Moving right on to our next big sporting event of uh, of the summer, the Copa America is arriving on American shores this week. This well, week. you better explain to uh, most of us what Copa America is, Liam. So this is a giant soccer tournament that involves countries in uh, Latin America and North America and some in the Caribbean, special guest stars in the Caribbean. Uh, this is the 100th anniversary of the Copa America. And um, all the best national teams in the world are going to be in the U.S. over the next two to three weeks playing. So fantastic. In the, on our side of the world, Europe is having its own fantastic soccer tournament this summer, but here in America, you're going to get to see, you know, the Venezuelans, the Argentines, the Brazilians, the Colombians, they're all coming. The Chileans who won it last year, they're all coming and the U S men's national team. So over at the Rose bowl next door, we have three games, uh, in the early rounds. And so we have tickets to all three games and my husband has invited a bunch of people beforehand uh, to park here and, you know, pre-tailgate here, I guess, is the term. So are you making more ricotta cheese? Is that what you're telling me? Julie, uh, I was sitting around Sunday just thinking, exhausted, and but thinking, now what am I going to serve? I think I'm going to go with themed food. I mean, it's first game is Brazil versus Ecuador. Those are some delicious countries, you know? <laughs> I mean... That's great, right? Yes. Yes, it is. I mean, okay. it's grilled meats. It's chimichurri sauce. It's fantastic potato salad. I'm going with that. The okay. next game, we have Colombia versus Paraguay. Okay. I don't know any Paraguayan food. It's okay. So if anyone knows any like national dishes or has a family recipe they'd like to share, either Colombian or Paraguayan, that would be great. It's okay. even better if it doesn't include rice, because as we all know, I cannot cook rice. And then... <laughs> 
<laughs> so just saying right. that. I can't cook it. And then, she does have her limits. That's I right. Do. <laughs> rice is it. It's rice. And then the third game, which will just be nuts, is Mexico versus Jamaica. Oh, well, again, yeah. that's what makes a fine meal right there. <laughs> right so- there. Jerk chicken and tacos. I mean, what? <laughs> it's going to be great. So I, I wasn't even thinking themed food, but now I'm kind of psyched to, okay. <laughs> to do some entertaining and some theme cooking and then go see these fantastic soccer games. So we're just rolling. So if anyone has any recipes they'd like to share, Brazilian, Ecuadorian, Colombian, Paraguayan, Mexican, or Jamaican, just put them on the Satellite Sisters Facebook group page. That would be great. That would be good, Leah. Yeah. Now, is the Copa, Copa America, is it in other cities yes. in the United States? It's all, it's so. all over the U.S. The so other Satellite yeah. Sisters can participate in their own hometowns. Yeah. It's very exciting to go to so- uh, soccer. I matches. mean, these are, and they're trying. These are not, we get some of these national teams that come in the summer or the big, uh, you know, Premier League clubs, and they come and they're on kind of friendly tours and they're more yeah. PR and stuff. No, they want to win this. This is the biggest soccer event the U.S. has hosted since 94, the Men's World Cup. And they are really trying. Lionel Messi is going to really try when he comes here. The world's best soccer player will be playing in Santa Clarita at the end of the week. So Northern California, I bet there's some games happening in Dallas, Julie. Okay, I'll check it out. Check it out. I got to check it out, see what countries, and then I'll know what food to serve. Even if I can't go, I could could make the food, international food, and uh, watch it at home. And watch the games. Yeah, Yeah. it's going to be fantastic. So it's going to be fantastic. Uh, So that's, that's what's happening here. Okay, that is real life action, land. <laughs> so is. I'm happy about that. Well, you know, I, I my headline for you uh, today is that real life has taken on social media, and I think this this is just a small crack, but I think this could could lead to a fundamental change. Let me explain. Maybe you saw that over the weekend, Adele was giving a concert um, in Europe, and at one point during the concert, she stopped singing. Uh, she stopped singing and she, she, she was speaking to a fan in the audience who apparently had a large tripod and was trying to film the whole concert. And Adele said, could you please take down the t- tripod and you're going to enjoy it more in real life? That, that this is, uh, this is not a DVR. I am actually singing right now and you should, uh, take, you know, stop filming and just start watching and listening. That's pretty much what she said. You Did know you what? That? That, I love that sentiment. Yeah. As someone who never takes photos or videos, it, it justifies my complete lack of documentation of like any event or any life experience that uh, that I enjoyed. But um, but it's true. I don't understand. I never understand like a little snippet. But yeah, when people hold their phones up or their cameras up the whole time, what's the point? Right. Or if they're just looking at their phones and not actually looking up at the performer or the performance. I don't understand that. Yes. But obviously I've come from the same school of no documentation (laughs) that you're from, Leighton. So we share that. I take terrible pictures. So I I do enjoy. I have literally never seen you take a picture, actually. (laughs) Well, my husband's the official. Oh, that's right. He takes. Yes. I live with a, I will live with a photographer. (laughs) So, but I do think it is someone standing up for real life experience, you know, just, and I understand for the fan, they spent, probably spent a lot of money getting that ticket to the Adele concert, getting a good seat. Had a tripod, which seems like some piece of equipment, wanted to, you know, capture this whole concert experience, probably watch it again and again. 
Uh, now they have some very interesting video of them being <laughs> shut down by Adele. That's that that's someone else life. at the concert took, by the way. That, yeah, that that is a life experience. That now they've really had an experience. But I, I think it's just you know it, we live in such a virtual age that at times you forget to you know to stop and actually experience what's going on. Mm-hmm. Related story today of real life fighting back. There is a mama, mommy blogger called the American mama. I don't, I haven't read her blog, but she's very popular, Leon, uh, 50,000 unique viewers, uh, allegedly, or apparently makes $1,500 per blog post, which is a lot of money. So she, and she has a number of sponsors. She's a 27 year old mother of three children and she was, you know, she's blogging, blogging her face out there. She just constantly, constantly putting up happy pictures of her family and all of that. But she has now shut down her blog because she said blogging is consuming her life. Yeah. That it is squeezing the joy out of parenting. That, that she was being forced, like, you know, they, they had something where they had a, uh, for Father's Day, they had to come up with a happy grilling situation. And so she's like scrambling around, grilling something. And she's just, instead of actually having a grilled me- me- meal, she was doing a photo shoot. Everything in her life had become a photo shoot. It'd be, had, and her life well, is when not- you take the money, then yes. you have to turn out the product. Yes. So- yes. Hi. <laughs> I yes. saw this story too. Yeah. Yes. I don't know why, why you think like people are just going to pay you to have a real life. Yeah. <laughs> they don't do that. <laughs> That's cool. So. Yeah. And that she was, yeah, she's getting yeah. some backlash, Liam. People yeah. like you are backlashing. You know? I, like, I don't mean to backlash. It's more of a realization like, well, yes, if you take the money and you agree to certain things, then you have to execute those. Yes. So, uh, you know, you could always say no to the grilling feature. <laughs> right. All right. She maybe she needed you, but and she also said that her life is not as perfect as she made it appear on her blog yeah. and and all of that, but it's real life. She's a mother of 3. Right. And and maybe she's making the right decision. You know, I think, you know, to actually pay attention to her family in in a way that is not all about just oh, this would be good for the blog. You know, no, so. I agree. I mean, I'm sure there's huge burnout. I mean, we've we I've been on social media a long time, run websites, done blogs. At some point, you know, m- you know, at some point, you just you get burned out of churning out material after material. So I get Kim that. Kardashian does not get burned out. She she seems to have an unlimited. Uh, you know, some- well, she probably has assistants that do all that for her. So yeah. that's the difference. I think this mother was actually churning out all that stuff, but it it does. <laughs> She's sort of a victim of her own success. I was sort of surprised. Her letter seemed a little harsh, a little naive that, (laughs) you know, there's a gracious way to sort of bow out of this. You have taken people's money. You have sort of, you know, engendered yourself to people and, and they, they've trusted your recommendations. And I don't know. I think she, I think she reached a wall for sure. Yes. (laughs) Based on her farewell letter. So. So, uh, yeah, this was a story at ABC News. You can check it out. But it is real life, I think, sort of creeping back and just saying that at some point, you know, maybe you should just live your life a little and uh, and instead of just posting your life. Less documentation, more actual living. Okay. There you go, Jewel. (laughs) Okay. Um, 
All right. Two stories about millennials. Uh, one is a study that came out last week that got a lot of headlines. We didn't have a chance to talk about it. And the other is just an observation being made. I had a conversation with our brother Jim about it this week, too. Uh, so the first is that millennials are setting records. More of them are living with their parents than any generation since 1940. Okay, so it's, that's a it's pretty amazing. I've seen this study. I know it was reported, but that is really fundamental, isn't it? It is really fundamental. And it's not because they are lazy sitting on the couch playing video games. That stereotype no. just is not true and is not a factor in these reasons. It's almost 100 percent economic uh, why they're living on their couches. And some of it are life changes. So almost a third of young women and almost half of young men are actually living with their parents. Mm -hmm. Okay, so these are people in the 18 to 34 category. Now, who knows? Those statistics could be slightly skewed. You're 18, 19, 20. Yeah, you might be living at home. That's a big number. But hopefully after 30, the number doesn't go down to 50. But in general, 48% of men 18 to 34 live with their families. And uh, what's happened, of course, is that um, for women... Uh, they're getting married later, yes. so, uh, which the, the average age in 1940 to get married used to be 21. Now it's 27. So that's a big difference. Mm. Um, they're going to college in much, much, much greater numbers than in 1940, obviously. But guess what? College is really, really expensive. So they're yes. coming out with all kinds of student loans and debts, and that has required them to actually live at home so that they can pay off their debts. Why many of them are working, although many of them are underemployed. Uh, for young men, they are not going to college in the yes. same numbers. So that's a disturbing trend. Uh, they are hindered by um, employment opportunities. So they're either underemployed or unemployed. And uh, if they go to college, they're graduating with that same debt. So it's kind of a grim picture. It's not. It's you know the college debt thing. It just it's amazing how you just keep circling back to that. You know that what a burden that is and that it's, you know, would be interesting. So great to imagine we're not having that burden. I mean, that is just a huge burden for, uh, for most uh, younger people. I must yeah. have had that conversation six times this weekend while I was waiting for gra various graduation yeah. events. You know, hey, what's your son doing? Uh, yeah. And several women, you know, said, oh, he's going to the Cal State near us. He's going to be living at home for a couple of years. And they were kind of apologetic about it. And I was like, that is so smart and yeah. such a good idea. You know, I have seen there are many, many ways to go through college. We've talked about this before in Satellite Sisters. I'm even more convinced now that I have a 21-year-old, that I see the amount of debt some of his friends are accumulating, or they get all those big merit scholarships, and then they can't keep their GPA up, and then they're stuck with the burden of paying for that education they thought they were going to get for free. And I, I just think not paying a ton of money to go to college is a great way to start your life. So uh, living at home a couple extra years is not the end of the world. Dating a guy who's 34 and living at home would not be a good idea. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now, the other story is that for the millennials who manage to get out and actually acquire their own apartment or their own yeah. house, mm -hmm. How's here's, that go? here's what they don't want. They don't want any of your stuff, mom uh -huh. and dad. 
Do not try to give them any of your furniture, any of your collections, any of their memorabilia. They don't want to take their sports trophies. They don't want their yearbooks. They don't want paper plates with macrame and macaroni stuck to it, as that's called. like Because we, we have turkey. bins of that stuff that we have been saving for years and years. And so that when they moved into their own place, they could have their own treasures there. But yeah. they don't want it. Like, they right? do not want it. They really, really don't want your dining room table and your eight it, matching chairs. They don't know. want brown furniture. This is, I, I went to a used furniture store and, and I was just surprised how there were so many beautiful pieces in there. And the owner said, you know, millennials don't want brown furniture. We can't give this stuff away. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. They don't want it. Julie, they say they don't want clutter. They want, yeah. to, they want to simplify. They want to live lives that are free of stuff. They don't even want to own a car. They want to take Uber. They're not interested in like cocktail glasses or old photos. And they would rather spend their money on experiences than actual stuff. So, okay. so there you That's- go. It's amazing. Well, I mean, you see that trend. You see it. I mean, you see it when you open the magazines, you know, all the, you know, the contemporary homes, you know, they're clean lines. They're very few furniture. There's no stuff in those houses. No stuff. Right. I would say this though, millennials, uh, you know, they really don't want things like uh, formal. Apparently they don't want any of your, your special plates, you know, know. your China. No, they uh, don't want grandmothers, you know, the um, tablecloth that, they be claim sorry. they don't want silver, but I, I would take a few pieces, millennials, because you, <laughs> you may change your mind. Yeah. And you know what? Nothing classes up a table like a few silver trays. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's worth polishing the silver. That's what I would say. So, uh, but other than that, I, I get it. I'll throw away the beanie babies right now. All those beanie babies. They don't want you saved. I know. I just, I have, I have bins. I mean, even, even though we went through this major purge when we downsized, I still have, you know, several large tubs full of memorabilia for, for my sons that they will not come and claim though, but I can't throw it away. I don't, I just, I can't toss it. Because they're going to be sorry. They are going to be sorry. Or maybe not. They'll be sorry (laughs) with their big empty houses. Yeah. Someday they're going to want those 17 boxes. They're going to want rugs. They're going to want rugs and throw pillows. They're going to want that, Leanne. And tchotchkes all over the place. <laughs> so, so that's it. They can't get out of the house, but when they do get out of the house, they don't want to take the house with them. Okay. <laughs> They're leaving all that crap at your house. <laughs> okay. That's a good one. Leon, I saw a story today that just, I, I, I was actually surprised with this result. It was a, it's, it was, the question is, is mommy brain a real condition? Now I'm going to say that word as many times as I as I can in the next five minutes. Now knowing how much you hate it, Leanne, but you know this is a complaint that a lot of women say that after they give birth, they just cannot seem to focus as sharply as they did before motherhood. You know, and so this question was put to a University of Denver uh, major neuro, neuro, neuroscientist about this, the effect of the so-called mommy brain. And here's the results. Okay. First of all, that when, even before the baby is born, certain parts of the brain show a structural increase as well as greater function. So when you're pregnant, your brain is actually growing. I, I'm just going to say that in non-scientific okay. terms, but you are getting, there is evidence in that the brain is related to maternal instinct 
and also to reward centers and this growth in this brain, it urges new mothers to bond with their babies, okay? So when you are becoming a mother, you're actually, there is this gradual increase in your brain size and function. How about that? That's amazing. That's See, it. That's the kind of mommy brain I'll take. Yeah, which which is surprises me. But all these urges to nurture can also the downside of it is you know sort of the the urge to worry or to have a greater anxiety. And many new mothers are you know very nervous. They worry about everything, and that that this anxiety is 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 very natural but it's your brain is trying to you know adapt to a system where you now have to work 24 hours a day um and that you know but in the same way even though you're having these negative anxiety feelings your brain is working very hard so it's good for you so you're actually it, when the, you cannot use that as an excuse it, the next time you say a mother says to you i don't think you should criticize new mothers but if a mother does say oh it must be my mommy brain. Just say, no, that's wrong. Just say, no, you're totally wrong, mommy. Your <laughs> brain got bigger. Your brain got bigger. You're actually getting smarter. There's evidence that they, that they can extrapolate from, you know, this, that you are getting smarter once you've had a baby. Now, see, they- that's why I, I always objected to the phrase because I thought it was dismissive. I didn't know anything about my brain getting bigger. I just thought it allowed people to sort of put you in a different category, which wasn't helpful. I always thought, okay, I've lost my car keys several times because I'm tired, not because I'm stupid. You know, those are two really different things. Right. So, but now, now I know my brain was bigger. I just didn't have time to find those car keys because I had, was working on bigger things apparently. Yeah. So, and, and this, well, this is surprising and that multiple births, makes you even more smart. It makes you smarter, which seems counterintuitive. Like if you have a lot of kids, like I, you know, your, your life is so hectic, but, but that is, you just, you know, your, you know, your brain is adapting and that it's, it's reacting to the situation and you're working on, you're working just at a higher volume, Leon. So, You know, they wanted, uh, they've that done That I this. believe. I believe yeah. you're working at a higher volume. That's why yes. the, fr- the phrase was dismissive. But now if you sort of turn it around and make it positive, mommy brain. Yes. Okay. I don't it's, like the phrase, but. Yeah. So we, that is, uh, you know, that you, you, these changes are real in your brain, but the changes are positive, not, not negative, that you shouldn't be getting, you could be tired and that's maybe why you're fuzzy, but there's no excuse for, uh. <laughs> For blaming it all on your kid, you cannot blame it on your little baby. Okay, okay, because that's I. So I, I just was surprised about that. I was surprised. About that is that. surprising. I mean, it makes sense when you break it down. You are juggling a million times things more, more, yeah. more things than you used to. Yeah. So uh, even a week before you gave birth. So yeah, but bigger brain, right on. Okay, that's good. Another study that I that came out, uh, they that research was published uh, that I just read about. That is actually a little perplexing for uh, to me. But this was a study done by two um, professors at Stanford's uh, Graduate School of Business. And they this was a large study. And they did research on on women and uh, and how wi- how women women as leaders and the behavior of women and the the research that they found suggests that women are 
penalized for certain behaviors. I mean, this is no big surprise. We know that many times female leaders are penalized for being too assertive. You know, that happens all the time that, you know, they, you know, they say Hillary Clinton as, as a presidential campaign, they tell her to smile more or to yell less or, you know, people don't like bossy leaders and things like that. So these two professors, you know, looked at, uh, you know, 71 different studies and they said, but they found that there was it was explicit forms of assertiveness, such as negotiating for a higher salary or telling your neighbor to turn down the music. That's what people, that's what people react poorly to women. When women are assertive in very direct, you know, direct communications, that's what people, you know, that's what the researchers found, you know, creates this negative blowback against assertive women. But if women are assertive through nonverbal means, Leon, by let's say, you know, in a meeting, they are, you know, you know, they stand very tall, they put their hands on their hips, or they, you know, they stretch their arm, they drape their arm around an adjacent chair at a meeting to take up a bigger space. This can be, this is very acceptable assertive behavior for women. That yeah. that's not viewed negatively, which I was surprised that that these nonverbal uh, 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 behaviors are received, you know, received in an acceptable or a positive way. You know, very strong eye contact, another way to do have a nonverbal uh, assertive thing. Um, this is all fine. It's only apparently when you open your mouth. <laughs> right. I was just thinking that like, oh, great. You're going to make so much eye contact. They're going to give you a raise. Is no. that the strategy? That was, that was, so they're saying like nonverbal dominance is fine. Like that is not, that's not creating negativity. It's just, it's when you, it is when you ask for a raise or you go out and you tell your neighbor to turn down the music or, or tell the guy sitting next to you on the plane could take your elbow off the armrest, whatever that is, that gets people mad, okay? And then they view it negatively. So these researchers are suggesting that, you know, that maybe in the short term, women could focus on some of these or use these nonverbal. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, what good is that going to do? I, I know. That's what I mean. I did. So I mean, this is, is very discouraging. <laughs> That is very discouraging news. I mean, that may be true. Okay. They're just reporting people's reactions. Okay. And, <laughs> and maybe you can get a slight edge by like sticking your hands on your hips or standing or, you know, or even speaking in loud, speaking up loudly is fine, but just not, you can't like, but you can't have, apparently have an opinion. opinion. Oh, great. <laughs> so. I don't know, Leon. I, I just—I don't know uh, either. I, it's hard to stay noisy. I—I I, I think we're just going to have to stay noisy. I mean, even though that this is—you know—this doesn't really help with, uh, female leaders. I don't think. I think is if you were in a position and you were trying to make sure that you're—you know—continuing to be a strong leader and you know using both verbal and nonverbal skills to you know to assert your point of view. This doesn't make you feel better, you know. So. It doesn't make you feel better. No. no. All right. A lot no. of strong eye contact. Just strong <laughs> eye contact. Hands on the hip. Drape your hand on that over on that chair. You know, it's go ahead and touch the other person. These are all like dominant nonverbal behaviors. Those are fine. That that doesn't get them upset. 
I it's, don't. I don't believe in touching. Okay. In the workplace, I don't think it's appropriate. Okay. I don't All right. Well, don't touch them, but you can really lean in, Leanne. That's what they're saying. You. Can. Okay. Um, all right, Julie, switching uh, subjects here. We're going to go to some, I have a fantastic way to plan your summer vacation. This okay. This okay. caught my eye, Julie, because I know that you and I both feel very strongly that the United States Postal Service is a fantastic bargain. Don't it's we? A, it's a miracle, Leanne. You stick that envelope in a little box in Dallas and it gets to like Los Angeles. How does that happen? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, feel, I think we feel very strongly that mail and things associated with mail have been excellent, positive experiences in our lives. And so, Julie, did you know this week in New York, it is the only once in a decade do they have the World Stamp Show. Okay. I know okay. you're not a stamp collector, but it no. is postal related. So okay. This is it. This is apparently the biggest stamp show in the world for stamp enthusiasts. And it's just once a decade and it's in New York this week. So it inspired uh, the folks at USA Today to look at other postal related vacations you could take. (laughs) Leon, who knew? Who knew, right? You you mean you can like you can spend your time off just uh Thinking and doing things associated with the uh, post office? Yes, well, This is, I've never heard of a vacation like Me this. Me neither, and I knew you would enjoy it. So first okay. of all, uh, if you want to go to Hawaii, the place to go is Hula Hua, because you can actually mail a coconut from this post office. <laughs> okay. That is just fun for the whole family, Leanne. Yeah. No, fun for the whole family. No. Everybody, uh, fun for all ages would enjoy mailing a, a coconut. They have all the coconuts there. You don't even have to go get your own coconut. You go to this post office, you just write the address on the coconut with the Sharpie, and they will send it for about 20 bucks. That's fun to get a coconut. And how fun to receive a coconut in your mailbox, okay? Come yeah. on. That is a good time. If I- you're headed to Washington, D.C. this summer, Julie, and a lot of people are, apparently the Smithsonian, as you would think, might have a good you know, stamp collection. They have a fantastic stamp collection, Julie. In fact, so good. It has its own postal museum. Did you know that? I, I've never heard of that land. No. And I felt like I've heard, I've heard of most of the museums in Washington, DC, but I've never heard of the postal. Yeah. Museum. Yeah. It's right next to union station and it attracts nearly a half a million visitors a year, the postal museum, Julie. So if you're going to Washington, DC, you're going to want to check that out. All right. Here's a good one. If you're visiting the Everglades in Florida, wouldn't you enjoy going to the smallest post office? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would, Leah. Yep. I would. Yep. Like, how small is it, Leah? It's a seven by eight foot post office. Okay. I mean, because I've seen some small post offices before. <laughs> yeah. But so, no, it was, a, it, the real one was burned down in the 70s. Uh, uh-huh. No, I'm sorry, in the 50s. And they replaced it like with a temporary shed. 60 yeah. years ago, and it's still standing. So you can only get two or three people in there at a time. But a lot of people go in there to mail postcards because I think on their stamp, it's as small as post office. Oh, wouldn't that be great? Yeah. And it's still open because they've closed so many small post offices. So, the, But this one's so special. It's open. Okay. okay. This Ooh. one, please, please somebody go and take a picture because this I would like to see. The, the Free Franklin Post Office and Museum. It's in, I'm, it's in, uh, Philadelphia. Okay. Okay. And guess what? These people, they don't, they dress in colonial garb and they work exclusively with quills and inkwells, the postmasters. 
I mean, can you take your regular mail in there, and you, and some guy in knickers is going to uh, is going to put a uh, put a stamp on it for you? Well, apparently, yes. Apparently, they have a. It's. I'm sorry. It's called the B Free Franklin Post Office. The, okay. It's a B dot. So, was his middle name was Benjamin Franklin's middle name Free? I don't know that. Someone will tell us that. I'm yes. sure. I thought it was just the Free Franklin Post Office. So they hand stamp all the post all the letters with the uh, unique postmark. Be free, Franklin. And that's people love it. So okay. uh, there you go. <laughs> so, but that the quill and, and everything, the colonial garb, I just, that's a great way to go to work. That, that every day with the, that, with the great, wigs, that, great. the tri-corner hat. The shoes look so comfortable. <laughs> with the big buckles on them. That is in the knee socks, Leanne. Oh, come on. That's good. Leanne, right. you have outdone yourself. Okay. Sure. I okay. just didn't think that that could be a fun vacation. It, I mean, now, now you're totally going to want to go to this one, the Pony Express Museum in mm-hmm. St. Joseph, Missouri. I mean, that yeah. sounds fantastic. Yeah. So uh, kids can sort mail there. They can try on Western clothes and they can see the original stables. That would be kind of cool. Pony this would, Leanne. These are, this is fun for all ages. Just... Good, fresh fun. I like it, Leanne. Okay, Julie, this is really, really specific. So maybe you like stamps, but what you really love are postmarks. Did you know there's a National Postmark Museum? (laughs) No, I did not, Leanne. And where would that be? That is in Bellevue, Ohio. Oh, of course. Yeah. That makes sense. Sure. So they strive to collect every single example of a unique stamp cancellation. And they have two million, Julie, <laughs> two million unique postmarks there. That's quite a collection. I yep. wonder if that might, you might have to, you know, like spend a couple of days at the postmark museum to go through it thoroughly, you know. And then finally, Julie, uh, in Weston, Massachusetts, you can go to the Spellman Museum of Stamps and Postal History. This sort uh-huh. of wraps it all up. It's on the gallery of, it's on the, it's on the Regis College campus and it's the first um, museum devoted to stamp collecting. So the- there you have it. Well, really- I, I definitely wanted to go to Hawaii and mail a coconut. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> all those- that, that, that just, I'm hooked. I got hooked on that land. <laughs> I know there's a net service that mails potatoes. Really? Too. Yeah. You can oh. put a you can put a big like Idaho baker in the mail. Just oh, you can gosh. do that. <laughs> so I think a coconut is more fun. But uh anyway. So there you go. If you're just thinking, what are we gonna do this summer? And I love stamps. If you had those two thoughts at the same time. That is a full summer's worth of activities. Yes, it is, Leah. Yes, it is. Okay. And if if anyone has been to any of these places, please write to us at Satellite Sisters. Love to hear about it. Love to hear about it. Yeah. Okay, Leanne. Well, uh, you mentioned earlier in the podcast that you had taken all of your son's khaki pants (laughs) and shorts and you're donating them, but they're out. Okay. So I think he needs needs some new trousers. Well, Leanne, it has happened. It's now available for men. They're called super pants. Have you heard about these? No. Super pants. These are trousers that were originally made using mountain climbing apparel, okay? And these are their new pants, and they promise to repel water and dirt, okay? How about that, okay? <laughs> they, get to, they wick away perspiration. They quickly unwrinkle. They stretch for comfort, and they cool down any man who wears them. Okay, they're called super pants, Leon. 
Okay. You I'm ha- sure they do cool them down because they sound <laughs> super unattractive. <laughs> they do. Well, they're essentially, they're essentially polyester pants, Leon. Okay. That's what they are. But this is their, no, these are new high tech, uh, high tech fibers are high performance fabrics. They're engineered for functionality. And, you know, let's face it, uh, you know, there hasn't been much innovation in men's pants in a long time. I mean, you had the knickers and then you moved to dockers. That's pretty much what has happened, right? Yeah. So, so um, and so men's pants, I mean, women have yoga pants, right? We have, we're into high performance um, fabrics, right? And, yes. we're, and we love them and we wear them. Well, it's time for men to get into back into the knit pants, okay? And I, th- I think it's great. I, th- I think it would be really good for for, you know, for teenage boys, you know, that, that you know, because that you might, they might look better, you know, if they were wearing some of these high performance pants. So are they actually, is the brand called super pants or is that no, just what they're super calling pants. them? That's, that's what I am calling oh, them. Okay. The name is Neoteric. Okay. There are several brands that are, that have them out and some are very high end brands such as um, uh, Hugo Boss and Burberry, um, but also Brooks Brothers uh, is coming out with a high performance pant. They already have high performance uh, shirts. You don't have to, you know, you, all of your clothes should be doing, should be operating at a much higher level. I want you to go look in your son's closet, your <laughs> okay. husband's closet, take out all those low performing shirts and pants and get okay. them some of these. Okay. okay. They have their pants with many powers. That's what they say, Lynn. I mean, they're stain resistant. They, they don't wrinkle. They're comfortable, you know, and they're, and they, and they wick. How about that? Wicking pants. <laughs> How about it? I'm, oh yeah, you're not buying it. These are good. No, I'm looking them up. They're they're yeah. kind of good looking. Some of these. I'm looking yeah, at they're like, yeah, they're good. I yeah. mean, I mean, this is it. I mean, they're not cheap. It, what? They're I high mean, performance. They're not cheap. No, they're not cheap, Leanne. These are not cheap pants. Well, they're super pants, Leanne. What do you expect? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought they were gonna be like binding, like spanks, but no, these are no, these are, no, these okay. are like yoga pants for men. Okay. That's that's pretty much what they are. Okay. okay. But I oh, think yeah. they could, I, I think it could be really a good thing. And I, I, you know, I welcome this innovation in men's clothing. I think it's time. That's okay. super pain. This fabric lends itself to ergonomic tailoring for the man on the move. Sure. I mean, yeah. Well, there are a lot of men like travelingly, and you right. get on planes. Men I on mean, the move. Yeah. I know. They're not, they're not wearing, I mean, fortunately men are not wearing yoga pants walking, right. <laughs> walking around that is true. the terminals. That would be. That would be something, wouldn't it be? And it's better. It's better than like uh, biking pants. We don't want. We don't want them in that. Like out in public, we just you know on the bicycles, it's okay. But I think this sounds good. These trousers that are that are real. They're super pants. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. Father's Day. It's a Father's Day gift. Get your man a pair of super pants. Okay. Don't be a doubter, Leon. Come on. I've seen them now. I like them. Yeah. I like them. I like yeah. them. I like them. All right, Julie, thank you. Wow, that was just a fact-filled show today, wasn't it? I who who knew? I mean, it's summertime. You know, you would think we just sort of shut things down, but no, no we brought it. We brought it today, Leanne. <laughs> we we're we're once again lagging in our outlander. I'm sorry, I had house guests and my husband stopped the recording like two minutes in. And I didn't discover that till late last night. So I will watch this. I will find this week's episode, record it, and then we'll report on it next week. So there won't, yes, there won't be, be any Outlander uh, stuff. Um, 
Jill, did you see any movies this week or anything? Yes, okay. Leanne. I did see Love and Friendship. Oh, how'd you like it? Love and Friendship. Okay, here is my review. Here's my summary point. Too many words, okay? <laughs> Too many words, Leanne. Okay, this, this movie had moments of brightness, okay? Moments of delightfulness. But everyone, with, with the exception uh, of one character, was talking in paragraphs. I mean, there was just... They were, it was too, there were too many words in there. It was so wordy. Okay. It could have been better, Lane. A little underwhelming, but it had moments of charm and brightness. You know, it's interesting because I have had two uh, Jane Austen encounters over the last 10 days. There is a, several publishers decided to come out with sort of modern mm-hmm. takes on yeah. her books. So one that came out was Eligible this summer. I loved like, it. Curtis loved it. Oh, you loved it? I did not love it. I, okay. I found it painful. And <laughs> so then I turned to Joanna Trollope, who's one of my favorite writers. She's uh-huh. British and sort of writes, you know, manners books. And she rewrote Sense and Sensibility. And that's just boring. Like oh. I thought the Eligible did too much with the story and contemporized it too much and sort of kind of cheapened some of the relationships. Uh-huh. But it, the Sense and Sensibility, who sort of used the Jane Austen you know, uh, sense and sensibility story, like verbatim that it's just boring. So I was like, maybe people should just leave Jane Austen alone. What do you think? I think, yeah, I, maybe, maybe. So, I mean, this is getting love and friendship. If you read the reviews, I mean, I was great. We was really hoping for, you know, a, a, a home run too many words. Yeah. That's it. That's my review. Okay. Yeah. All right. So leave Jane Austen alone, people. Okay. That is okay. That's how we're wrapping up this summer, this summer's cultural Jane Austen moment. Um, all right, Joel. I got a lot of soccer happening. I gotta, I gotta figure out how to make chimichurri sauce. Yes, yes, you <laughs> gotta do. Gotta work on some black beans and some grilled meats. Yeah, so, you, you, you gotta go around the world, Leanne. Okay, I've got, I've got some, I've got a big family wedding coming up, Leanne. So uh, I'll have some, some good reporting for you next week. All right, fantastic. Uh, have a great week, everybody, and don't forget, call your satellite sister. <laughs>